This episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Welcome into another episode of the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by Aishra Blakely and Gary Washburn. Welcome to another week, another week to talk about the Celtics and the progress they've made or haven't made. How are you two feeling? I'm feeling James Brown good about this team right now. Feeling really good about where they're headed, what they're doing, what they can do. Look, the glass is half full for me right now. Rob Williams or no Rob Williams, I'm feeling really good about where they are right now. It's a bold statement. How are you feeling, Gary? Um, I want to see what happens this week. I feel like they have a chance to do some really great things in the playoffs, and we'll see what happens with their seed. They can get the, they can still get number one, to be honest with you, if they went out. Uh, but number two, I think it would be really, really uh, pretty amazing feat if they got the number two seed after what they've gone through this season. So, um, but I was pleased with the Washington game bouncing back after Indiana. I kind of think I thought it would be kind of an inverse, like they blow out Indiana and have a tough time with Washington, yeah. but it was a, a reverse. But it was good to see them blow out and take care of a team they were supposed to. So yeah. I think they're in a good place. Yeah, and of course, the, we talk about the standings. They've fluctuated on a daily basis, so it's not even worth talking. As you mentioned, that blowout win at the TD Garden, that was actually their last regular season home game, so congrats to them for pulling that off. Go but out I, like a champ. Yeah, that's how you should go. But, Sherrod, you did mention Robert Williams. That's obviously a big void on this roster for them right now. What adjustments have you seen on the defensive end for them, and who do you think should be stepping up to try to fill that void? Well, they're not going to find someone to fill that void. It's going to be cut and paste. Yeah, they're trying to put a, you know, they're trying to patch this thing up and just get to the finish line without Robin. Hopefully get to the second round, which I think is the earliest we could possibly see him back on the court. But I like what I'm seeing out of Daniel Tice. He's not going to be Rob. I don't think he's Rob like or even Rob light. He's just Daniel Tice. He's going to run the floor. He, he'll play decent defense. He's not going to play great defense. He's not going to give you that roaming defensive back Ronnie Lott type of defense that we see from, from Rob out there where he's just covering so much ground. But he's going to do what he can do. Uh, he's going to get you some points. He's going to give you a little bit more of a perimeter threat. Uh, but my concern with him isn't so much him um, scoring. It's him taking shots to score. Teams are going to sleep on him offensively the way they've done Rob and he has to play. But part of that is the Tatums, the Browns, the Al Horfords empowering him in game to take those wide open shots when they're there. Uh, don't hesitate. Just just let it fly. And I think he, if he's able to do that, he can certainly help them. And Grant, who's going to place a lot more center as well. Him, it's more position. It's more about matchups. Uh, the, he doesn't he's not a natural center that they can just kind of plug and play out there. There's certain matchups that he can be effective. Others, not so much. So I, I think you're really going to see Daniel Tice. They're going to lean on him a lot heavier than they want to. And obviously Al Horford. Well, I think, uh, I think they're just learning. I, I just saw the transition of learning to play back more with Tice and kind of understanding that Rob's not coming back for a while. And I thought they struggled with that. Um, well, they also struggled like against Indiana. I mean, they struggled with like Tyrese Halliburton who was just getting out anything he wanted, coming off the pick and roll. And luckily for them, he fouled out of the game. If not, they might have lost the game. Um, 
but he had 30 points in like 28 minutes or whatever. Uh, I thought that they adjusted better, obviously, Sunday with Tice being there. With Tice being kind of a presence in the middle, but not that shot-blocking presence, I think they were more aggressive defensively before uh, players got to um, Tice in the paint. Like, that's what they're going to do. They're going to be better defenders before they the, these uh, ball handlers get to the paint because they don't have that eraser that Robert Williams was, um, at least not until the second round. So if I'm – I thought that they started to make adjustments. I mean, they scored – they shot the ball well offensively. You know, they shot 57 56%. They just, they just uh, torched the nets. But I also thought defensively – they were just a little bit better and they just challenged a lot more things against Washington. You know, I mean, the, the Wizards had capable players, uh, Porzingis, KCP, you know, um, Corey Kesper, you know, they had guys who, you know, and they had dropped 135 points on the Dallas Mavericks and beat them pretty good up in Washington. That's two days or four. So the way they were able to challenge their shots, especially after, you know, the 37-point second quarter, and I think he may put the screws in at halftime today, fellas, like, what are we doing out here? Um, and, and, and just the way they were dominating the second half, I thought that was good adjustments because you can still play good defense without Robert Williams being there. You just got to be better. You just got to stop players from diving into the paint so easily. Uh, Tatum, Brown, Smart needs to be better. You Smart can't take as many chances thinking, oh, I got Robert back there with some of these steals he goes for or, or whatever. Or maybe, you know, risking getting into foul trouble or, or that type of thing in terms of being over aggressive. Sometimes you got to play more at home with uh, Tice in the middle. And I thought they did that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they definitely I think defensively, Gary, to your point, they, they absolutely have to be more conservative in terms of their approach. They have to be solid uh, and, and not necessarily spectacular. And, and that, that is going to be the key. But the one thing that I'm seeing with these these guys without Rob that I, I think they're starting to think about this and realize that it kind of has to be this way, but it's such a slippery slope with this particular team is that they have to be better offensively than they've been in past to make up for that gap that's going to clearly be there at the defensive end of the floor. And in theory, that's a good idea and it makes a lot of sense. But the problem that I have with this particular group thinking too much about that is that they have a tendency to fall in love with what's happening on the offensive end, and it negatively impacts what they do defensively. And so Ime has to really find that that delicate balance between getting a little bit more juice out of this group offensively, which they're capable of with Rob out and Tyson because of his perimeter shooting skills, but also make sure that they're still locked in and, and on the same page and connected defensively, because ultimately it is their defense that's going to help them continue to progress in the playoffs but they're going to need a little bit more juice offensively because, again, that defense, no matter who they throw out there, isn't going to be nearly as good or nearly as tight as it was with Rob on the floor. Yeah, and one person who has been there everywhere they need him to be when you talk about their offense is Jalen Brown. In the last nine games, 28.9 points per game, 56.7% from shooting, and 50% from three. But – a fun fact or not so fun fact is a fact that we haven't seen him on a full postseason run since the bubble. So what are your expectations from him, especially when you look at this stretch of games as he he's been on over the last few weeks? You got that, Gary. Well, I think he's playing uh, some of his best basketball of the season. And that takes a lot of pressure. 
uh, off Jason Tatum, which is good. And both of them can play off each other. And I think that if you, I think that what defenses are going to do as Miami did the other night, right? Last week is they're going to give Jalen the ball and go beat us, you know, and that fourth quarter against Miami where Jason Tatum took three shots and had, I think two points or three points in the fourth quarter. Jalen was two for 10. Like that was the worst case scenario where Jalen thought that he could take over and he couldn't. And then he had some turnovers, some missed layups, uh, you know, didn't take advantage of some mismatches against like Max Struess that he should have. But over the last couple of games, it seems like he's becoming more comfortable, especially early in games. If the goal, I think the goal of Ime is to get Jalen going early because Jalen has always, you know, really put up a lot of big first quarters this year. You know, that's fine. Get Jalen going. Let Jason kind of uh, kind of ease into the game because you want to get Jalen going and get that confidence going. But I think that Jalen's the pressure is going to intense because in playoffs, teams are going to slow, are going to make sure they shut Tatum down. They're going to do double, triple, whatever they got to do, blitz, and make sure he's a more of a playmaker. And Jalen has to take advantage of that because he's got to say, ain't nobody on this, nobody in the league can guard me one on one. That's what he's got to say. Ain't nobody going to leave Max Struess. I don't care who, you know, whatever. And he's got to be, to me, a more sure-handed ball handler in the paint. No, none of these strips and rips that happens when he tries to do too much or whatever. None of these like sloppy pocket passes. Jalen's got to tighten up completely. He's doing that. He's on his way. And I think he's, you know, he's putting up the big numbers as Kwani said, but it's going to, he's going to need to do it when it's money time, when the playoffs come, because whoever they play in round one next weekend is going to make sure that Tatum does not score 40-something points and we lose. Like, that's a recipe for disaster. So it's going to be up to Jalen to take pressure off Jason and score also to make it where you really can't blitz Tatum as much. Yeah, and you've got a situation where, you know, unlike a lot of teams that have a really great dynamic score like a Jason Tatum, you're not necessarily sure where your next elite level source of scoring is going to come from, but the Celtics don't have that problem. It's Jalen Brown. He is the next best thing when you, when you talk about scoring, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier, Kwani, when you mentioned how he, he, we haven't seen him in the playoffs since the bubble uh, in the bubble, it, you, you go, you go back in his, the last times we saw him in playoff, he's giving you 20 points a night and uh, in, in every series that he played. And that was when he wasn't nearly as good or well-rounded a player as he is now. So to me, the idea that Jalen Brown is gearing up for the playoffs and is kind of, you know, he's really eager to get, to get that going again. That's a good thing for the Celtics because you got a guy who's hungry, who's thirsty and has talent. It's, it's not just enough to be hungry and thirsty. We got a lot of hungry, hungry and thirsty. And thirsty? Damn. Get, get a break. <laughs> the facility is not feeding them. Exactly. <laughs> we, what's up we, need to what's feed the we need to feed him, Gary. We need to feed him. Let's get the GoFundMe campaign. Feed Jalen. Feed Jalen Brown. Wow. That's... Feed him some juice. Give him some more of the juice. He need more of the juice. Need more of the juice. You can't live off juice alone. He, he tried to put all these analogies together and it just didn't work the way. <laughs> we just got a big fat analogy smorgasbord. Here. But the bottom work. line is this. Jaylen, he's hungry. He's thirsty. He's the bottom starving. line is Jalen is poised to have a breakout postseason for yeah. so many factors. But for me, uh, again, it comes down to how does he handle himself 
down the stretch because Jalen's going to get you 25 a night. But if I, if he's giving me 23 in the first three quarters and it's a tight game and only getting two in the fourth, is that really helping the cause? So they need to figure out how can he be more consistently impactful because he is going to make his presence felt in the game. But what is he doing in, in cash money time? What do you yeah. do? Does he does he got that Robert Horry DNA gene rocking with it? Because you need cats who are going to be killers in the fourth quarter. Cudley, 25 points to three quarters, I can deal with that. Give me killers in the fourth. That's what I need. I mean, his turnaround shot at that in the last game where yeah. he, that was clutch. Didn't even know that was he, in the bag. He has clutch moments. So Didn't even know that was in the bag. I was, right. I was shocked. I was like, damn, what? I was like, there's no way he's making it. He had no look, but perfect art. So we'll see. But another related part of the Jalen Brown conversation is the fact that there's still speculation as to whether or not he is vaccinated. That's been a conversation that's swirling around the Celtics team overall because the front office has made the decision that they don't want to discuss it. And I can understand that perspective, but from a fan standpoint, there is definitely a lot of people who are concerned. If the season ends and they have to face Toronto, what does that mean for this team? What does that mean for the roster overall? So from your perspective, how important is it for them to, well, one, maybe just not get Toronto, but really figure out how to get ahead of this conversation? Well, I mean, the, the only way it's going to be an issue is if they face Toronto. That That's literally the only reason that we're having conversations about it now, the only reason that we'll be talking about it once the playoffs arrive. Um, and, but if they do, I'm confident that that they're going to have all their pieces available. If those guys aren't vaccinated yet, I think they will be. Certainly, they would. I believe the timetable would have them getting their their shots this week. I believe in order to make sure that they are within that window uh, to to be considered um, eligible, eligible and, and vaccinated. Yeah. So I, I'm not worried about that as much as a lot of people are. Um, but it, it speaks to another issue that that again, it's it's you know, we're not going to solve it here, and certainly um, fans aren't going to get the answers they want. But players, they do have a certain amount of privacy that they should feel comfortable with keeping to themselves. Now, my okay. only issue with the whole vaccination conversation is that if the issue regarding privacy was strictly about you and had no impact on anyone else, then by all means, cool. Yeah. But the domino effect of not knowing where you stand, or at least your teammates not knowing where you stand, is huge. If everyone on that team knows his status, but the media doesn't and the fans don't, I'm cool. I'm with okay that. with that. Yeah, which I think I, is the case. The way but, they talk and, and about I think it, that's, and that's right, and yeah. that's why it, it doesn't really bother me that much. But if it's to the point where those guys aren't sure what the hell is going on, that's yeah. a problem. And I will say this, um, and, and this will be the last, last point I'm, I make on this, and pass it off to Gary. You're going to draw parallels between him and Kyrie. It's just inevitable because Kyrie didn't say what his status was until it became obvious what it was. And Jalen has kind of kept that door somewhat ajar because for all we know, Jalen just don't want to tell nobody. He's vaccinated, but just don't want to tell anybody. Yeah. And that's his right. That, that is his right. But it's, it's, pro it's so problematic because you're trying. This is such a weird time for the NBA because your fan base, you're trying to win them back. Yeah. Because you, you basically kept them to the curb because of the pandemic. Not no player's fault, but they have been basically on the sidelines for a while. Mm -hmm. And this is a time where your playoffs are, roll, are rolling around. People are in the buildings unmasked. There's a giddiness about this team and about the players in general. And this is one of those things that makes people pause. Like, but damn, am I going to pay like, like primo dollars to go see my favorite team? And I live in like Saskatchewan or I live in Toronto and he may not play. 
I don't yeah. know if he's going to play. And if he's not going to play, do I really want to pay to see my team play without their second best player? Yeah. So there's, again, I, I get where Jalen's coming from, but at the same time, there's a, the main thing is, are you making sure your teammates and your coaching staff, all of them are in the loop? Because if they're in the loop, no problem. But if yeah. they're not sure, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, um, I think Jalen is a man of his convictions and beliefs. And I think that as a guy who tends to, who researches a lot of things, he probably is not very high on the vaccine as like a, you know, a cure or a treatment considering the history of vaccines, especially with people of color and African-Americans. I can definitely understand that. Um, you know, why do athletes want to keep their status to themselves or that's a private thing. But I also think it's like the whole none of your business or me to know and for you to find out stuff. This is a contagious disease, right? A virus, right? This is not cancer. This is not even, this is not something that, that you can keep to yourself. That you can say, I have a disease that you can't, I have something that, that, that will allow me to play you know, I could still play, but it's a private thing that I'm dealing with. Like in that situation, this is a contagious disease. So the whole like, well, that's none of your business to know if someone's vaccinated or not. Well, it is because we're dealing with an unprecedented time. You know, like I never thought we would, you know, you're here in the school or whatever, maybe not Kwani in the New Jersey school system, but- uh, <laughs> Kwani, for no reason. No, but- when it, when it was like the 1920s and people were dying of smallpox, and you were like, "Oh my God, how could they just? How could these people? Boy, that had that was so long ago. How did these people die of some type of thing? And just you could, you know, cure it with a shot. Yeah. Or people, people, you know, polio shots in the 40s. You hear these things that would seem so antiquated and so back in you know, potent mumps and things like that. And then here we go, and, and we're getting literally getting you know, hit with a pandemic that people are 100 years from now when it's, you know, either gone or done, people are going to be like, How, that killed almost a million people? What? Like, they're going to laugh at us, right? And so this is a serious situation, unprecedented situation that none of our generation has dealt with. So I think this whole, like, well, be for me to know and for you to find out. Like, the Player Association, which uh, Jalen's on the committee, fought vi- you know, vigorously against mandatory uh, vaccinations for players, mm-hmm. and but they, you know, the NBA still comes out with the ninety-seven percent are still are vaxxed. Okay, and I got to give Kyrie props, not for a lot, but at least going public and saying this is who I am. He's taking a lot of heat, and I'm sure a lot of players who are unvaxxed around the league are like, "No, I ain't going through that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna keep my status to myself. Yeah, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna get hate mail. I ain't gonna get people telling me I'm an idiot and just get the shot and What's wrong with you? And you don't like, so I think Jalen has to have some conversations with what is important to him because you, Toronto, a tough team. You can't miss games three and four and, and six all willy nilly. Like you're going to, they're going to need him. Okay. Could they still win the series without him playing three of the seven games? Yeah, they could. They could. But it's something that if they lose that series and Jalen stands by his conviction, if he's not vaccinated and says, I'm not playing, good luck, guys. 
oh boy, how does that affect his standing in the organization, him as a leader? Like, you know, that Kyrie thing broke up him, Harden, and Durant. That broke him up. And people are laughing at the Nets because the Nets caved in to Kyrie because Durant wants him to play. So there's not a lot of respect going around for how the Nets handled it when they said, no, 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 you're not doing all this home game, no home game, just road game stuff. Then, oh, okay, well, we reconsider. Come on back and just play road games. Like, so, you know, if I'm Jalen, you know, and the team has got to just do some, some thinking, some discussions have to be had. They can't do the whole, well, that's every person upon himself. I'm not going to say anything about it because it's a topic. It's a, it's a, it's a, to, it's a critical topic in our society right now. You can't just, well, you can just do what you, whatever the hell you want to do. I don't care. Like you should care. You know, this is not something, this is not a, a situation where this is a contagious disease. So being vaccinated, one, you know, can keep you, you know, getting vaccinated, keep you from getting it and then spreading it. So um, (laughs) I think that Jalen and the organization have to do some heart to heart talking. And I'm sure Brad behind the scenes is, I understand they're not wanting to go public and be like, oh, everybody, you know, but then again, you need to figure out, okay, how is this going to go down? Okay. Who are you going to get vaccinated before the playoffs? Are you going to wait till the seedings come out? You want till Sunday to decide, you know, what if you face Toronto in the second round? When you, what's going on then? Because Toronto could win their first round series. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you doing a, Toronto ain't like the 10th seed. They could be five. They can win their first round series. Okay. So even if you avoid them in the first round, you might get them in the second round. So this is something to definitely keep abreast of, abreast of because this is not a situation that you can just say, oh, we'll just let it handle itself. That's not the, that's not the way to go. You can't let this handle itself. Yeah. And the reality is other teams in the East, I'm sure, dealing with a similar situation, but I think. Boston has made itself a headline as a result of not wanting to talk at all. So we'll see. Before we move on, I have to, of course, shout out betonline.ag. March Madness is over. We moved into April. Baseball is upon us. The Masters Championship is coming to us as well. So, of course, they're your number one destination for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is your continued source for wagering, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino poker games. It's easy to get started, so you can just use our promo code CLNS50 and learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on your favorite sports and games. BetOnline, they are where the games start. And while you're there, you can definitely check out the prop bets and, and look at the NBA awards that are starting to get some traction now. And, and, you know, the one that we're most focused on, obviously, is the defensive player of the year, uh, because not only do the Celtics have a candidate for that award, they've got two candidates, one of whom is the front runner. Yeah. Marcus Smart, that dude, young game changer. He right now, um, almost every everywhere you go is the guy that everyone else is chasing when you talk about the Defensive Player of the Year award. And we, we've talked about this before. If there was ever going to be a year that Marcus Smart could win that award, this is the year. There isn't a clear-cut favorite. 
He's the most impactful, most important player on the best defense in the NBA. The stars are aligning themselves to where he can absolutely win that award. And if he's going to win that award, damn it, why don't you win some money while you at it? Uh, like, Frank, you, you get a piece of that, that pie as well. So uh, Marcus Smart, again, the favorite uh, by just wherever you go, pretty much, he's the guy that if you're putting money on on someone to win the award, Marcus is the, is the guy. So um, definitely check that and then some stuff out at betonline.ag and all our fun, fun folks uh, in the gambling gaming space. There we go. We've talked about Jalen Brown, but of course the star, the guy we have to talk about every week, Jason Tatum, he did have, he was out with that right patella tendinopathy. Are we concerned about that or do we think it was just, general maintenance type of <laughs> work. You got a G. <laughs> What'd you say, Kwani? Are we concerned? Up. Not after that. <laughs> general maintenance. Okay. <laughs> I, think that, I think it's just a sore knee. I think he's going to need to treat it. You know, I mean, these guys ice their knees every night, so I just think it's something that he, I don't think it's it's not has to knock him out of a game. But I do think he's going to need to rest, and we'll see what happens, like uh, the finale against Memphis or whether they practice on Saturday because they have Saturday off in Memphis where they just, you know, go and, and just take those two days off. And then what happens, uh, you know, after the playoffs that Sunday, I mean, uh, the Monday that week, whether, you know, he gets a rest or maybe a break. But you know, they're just going to have to, I think something to keep abreast of, it's a, you know, I said, it's tendonitis. So, you know, you ice it up, you make sure that he doesn't put too much wear and tear off the court in terms of, or in practice and those type of things on it. And you keep it moving. I don't think it's something serious. And I don't, I think Jason, you're going to have to drag him off the court unless it's a serious injury. I don't think he's going to miss a game with weak tendonitis. I think he'll be ready to go. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's 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 much ado about nothing. And and frankly, it gives the Celtics cover when they decide to go with, you know, load management. You know, a lot of times teams will just say, hey, we're just going to sit him just to sit him. But they might, well, you know what? We're not really sitting him. We're sitting him out because he's got a sore knee. Uh, yeah. Air quotes, air quotes. Uh, yeah. So he, I just don't think it's that big a deal. I really don't. And it, because as long as Jason can go out there and, and do what he does, which most nights – uh, as Kwani and Gary, you've seen, he shoots the lights out most nights. So I don't think it's going to be that big an issue for him. I really don't. I did notice in that Washington game that, I mean, early in the fourth, Jalen and Tatum were still in the game. Overall, do you think that they should start getting pulled a little bit more as a team ramps up for the playoffs? I want them to sit both of those guys, at least one of these last three games. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to see that. I would probably, if, if it were me, I would probably sit them the Milwaukee game uh, only because I think you can win. You can beat Chicago without one of those guys um, and have one play against Chicago and the other one play yeah. against Milwaukee. And then when you get to that Memphis game, if you're locked into whatever seating you are, why put them out there? Sit them both. Uh, I, I they, they need to start really looking at this last week from a strategic standpoint, because when you look at the, the strength of schedule this week, the Celtics have the, the toughest schedule, according to, you know, different websites as far as the games they play and the winning percentage of those teams. But flip side of that is, you know, Memphis for that last game, if they got that number two spot locked up, which they should have it by then, 
you're probably not going to see their core guys. Uh, and Milwaukee, you may see something similar to that. Although I, I think that Milwaukee, that's going to be a tough call for them whether to sit guys because they're like the Celtics. They're right in that mix for that number two spot in in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. And that, you know, you want to be as high a seed as possible. So lots of issues that they got to work through. But but I think I think they'll be fine, though. So that being said, you mentioned that tough schedule that they're looking forward to. What do you think is a realistic finish for this season as we look forward to the final three games? I think a realistic finish for these guys is to win at least one of those games. And I, I really want them to win at least one of the last three so that Ime can have 50 wins. And Ime will be only the fifth coach in franchise history to get 50 wins in his first season in the job. Um, and so when you start looking at his, and again, we were talking earlier about like Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year. He may better get some damn votes for coach of the year. It's going to be a little bit harder for him because th this year there've really been some good coaches and he's going to see at least one of them uh, in that season finale with Taylor Jenkins, the job he's done with Memphis, which is the, one of the youngest teams in the NBA. And yet they've got the second best record in the NBA. So th those are the type of things that obviously when you think about coach of the year, you got to weigh in, in, in favor, but the fact that Ime has the potential to do something that only four other men who walked the sidelines with this franchise have ever done in their first year, that has to hold weight in the eyes of people who are making uh, voting decisions, things like that. Yeah. I think uh, they should want to go, I think two and one. I think the Chicago game is tricky. Uh, the Bulls, it all depends on what the Bulls are trying to do. Okay, the Bulls, are they trying to go for four, five? Are they trying to go for six? Like, this is the time where teams are starting to figure out, okay, this is who we want to play, and this is who we don't want to play. Yep. Okay, the Bulls want five or six. Do they want to face Philadelphia or Milwaukee or even the Celtics in the first round? Like, I think they probably want to face the Celtics before anybody because, you know, Milwaukee has Giannis. Philadelphia has uh, MB. Now, late, the Celtics do have Tatum and Brown, but they've had success in those two matchups. I mean, you know, uh, they're one and one. So I do think that they probably look at the Celtics as a team that's most vulnerable of those two, or maybe, who knows, they might feel that about Philadelphia, right? But I think teams start to figure out, look at the schedule, like, okay, who do we want to play? So it'll be interesting to see what the Bulls do to, to against the Bucks tonight or Tuesday night. And then who they field on that home back-to-back -back with the Celtics on Wednesday, uh, but I think if you're the Celtics, you try to get you try to get all three. I think it's realistic. Milwaukee's not, you know, just lost at home to Dallas. I mean, they're not unbeatable. Um, you want to get that, and you want to get the tiebreaker. That's a tiebreaker game. Both games. Chicago yeah. is a tiebreaker game, but I don't think they'll be fighting with Chicago. But the Milwaukee's tiebreaker game. They're two and one against the Bucks. If they go three and one in any head-to-head -head or same record, you know, then then they get the they get the advantage. So that's a critical game. You don't want to go two-two. Remember the game they lost on Christmas, one of those regrettable losses that they had that they should have won, uh, is gonna burn them because you know, but they beat the Bucks twice at home and now trying to get that road win. I think anything goes against the uh, Sunday against Memphis because. It could be literally Aaron Neesmith and Sam Hauser and the boys yeah. against, you know, uh, against Tyus Jones and 
because uh, Memphis ain't gonna play their front line because they got the number two seed on lock, you know. So Jai ain't gonna play in that game. Like you, you, you could have like the Memphis hustle against the main, uh, you know, Celtics in that game, pretty much. Um, yeah. So who knows? So I think it was something you try to get two of these games. Like try to get he made that fiftieth win. Chicago's coming off a back to back tomorrow, so they'll be a little bit vulnerable. And then you got Milwaukee, always a challenge, but they played Milwaukee well this year. They should have won all three games. I say, I say two and one at least. I mean, you know, not saying you go gung ho and you play Tatum and Brown forty five minutes each to get the win. Yeah. But you go and you try to finish the season strong and playing your best basketball, and you don't give up no games. Now, now who knows? This is when, like I said, like it's like uh, you know. The school dance. People start picking out who they want to map, hook up with, right? And that's what teams are doing um, with the with the with the, with the playoff seedings. Okay, who do we really want to play? Does Philadelphia want the four? Or do they want the two? Because if Philadelphia is four, they face Chicago. Is Philadelphia like, listen, we'll face the Bulls or the Raptors, and then we'll take our chance with Miami in the second round? We put, like, who knows? Does Philadelphia want to see Milwaukee in the second round? That's what this is all that these coaches are meeting about. You know, the same with Milwaukee. Do we want to face the Celtics or the 76ers in the second round? Or do we want to face Miami in the second round? Like, all this is all going in now. And, and so you, I said, this is how it is. And so I think teams will, you'll figure out over the next few days who, who wants to play who. So what happens when both teams are obviously trying to lose a game? <laughs> we Have call that sand basketball. That <laughs> could definitely happen. Yeah. You got guys getting rest, and you—it's going to be an interesting week. Yeah. This whole playing thing, mm-hmm. playing adds another element to the season that we've never seen before. Because you got now the the, the Eastern Conference plans set, but nobody wants to be ten have to play two road games, so they're going to fight for ten. Atlanta, Charlotte, Brooklyn, and um, Cleveland. Cleveland's got the advantage at seven. Brooklyn don't want to be ten. But yeah. Brooklyn could be nine, but they so they get a home game, you know. You know, does Brooklyn like all this comes up? So they're playing to the finish because if you, you don't want ten, you don't want to play at Brooklyn or you know, and then at Charlotte to get into the playoffs. Like you want to, you want to try to get a home game, and you know, if you're so that's going to be an interesting element too. That eight, nine, ten because I think Cleveland kind of has seven set, but. Eight, nine, ten, all in, you know, Atlanta, Charlotte, Brooklyn are all fighting. So, and Brooklyn's got a pretty easy one against the Rockets, but yeah. Charlotte's got some tough games. You know, it's going to be fascinating. This is the base this week. This is what the league wanted. Intrigue all the way down to the final games of the season. And they got it. Well, we have a lot to look forward to in the next week. What are you guys looking forward to on your part-times well you have a full-time you have a bunch of part-time jobs everyone's always busy <laughs> what is she talking about gary i'm oh, talking about your mean? jobs outside of basketball I'm gibberish <laughs> i'm talking about your jobs outside of basketball specifically well, I'm, just, I'm just glad you here, Quinn, to just light things up for us so that that's you know, you know, i literally did that today yep purple you shirt red shirt whatever colors these are <laughs> absolutely we, we count on you to light things up for us Quinny. Um, let's see. Oh, actually, I got a couple things. Uh, for Bleach Report, we're actually doing our our um, our superlatives for 
the NBA, our picks for NBA MVP, player of the year, sixth man of the year. We'll do that it's, next week. Yeah, and that's going to that's gonna wow, come. What's the difference between MVP and player of the year? I was thinking about college basketball. My bad. My bad. There's like, a player of the year. He added a that. new award. Man, listen, I've, I've been soaking in all this. like Jerome from Martin, stuff, man. like the player of the year? Like the player of the year for Jerome. Well, Martin. I know the player of the year didn't go to Washburn University. That's that school you represent on your shirt. That's right. The player of the year. With the mascot, the Iditarod as the mascot. The player of the year. The player of the year award. That's a nice name. <laughs> Not at Washburn University. Okay. In Topeka. Do they have a basketball team there? They do. They're Division Two. They're the Fighting Ichabods. Wow. Yes. You should have went. You really should have just went there. Yeah, I should have went there. That's For those who are listening, he's wearing a shirt that says Washburn University, which is why. Washburn University. That's yeah. Right. W-U. So woo. It wouldn't even give yeah. me a hookup. No family discount for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. Bought this on campus. Went, I've, I've been to Washburn University, so to not get this online or nothing, this is a. Oh, the family reunion at, the, at college. Okay. Yeah, That's a family okay. reunion. We have no idea when you go into a student store and see everything with your name on it. You're like, ah, ah, you know, like, you're like, oh, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that. Unfortunately, that will never happen to me. So ah, I'm happy like, for you. Like, no you university? You're like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we, God, I'm home. <laughs> like, can we know, get a Lunas Community home. College up in here somewhere? <laughs> Why I got to be <laughs> a community college? Wow. It would be a, Institute? a strong D2 program. Nice. I think they're the same like conferences like Pittsburgh State and those type of schools. But yeah. you, okay. Yes, the fighting Ichabods. Look them up. Always learn something new with the weirdest mascot in America, the Ichabod. <laughs> they actually admitted that too. And they admit it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Is. it is. What, what you got, Mr. Mr. Washburn University, besides talking about your family reunion? Let's follow this team into the playoffs. Got some other stuff going on. Working on a st- stuff for, about the history of the league and what uh, what the league used to do. Uh, I'll have some more details in terms Start of with the ABA? You going all huh? the way back? Huh? I said we're going all the way back to the ABA? No, not that far, but almost 20. You know, okay. Before you was born, you know. <laughs> I was waiting for some kind of shot. Yeah, exactly. Way. Exactly. Um, nice. So yeah, working working on that, and and just prepping for the playoffs. It should be very exciting. This is a one of the best parts of the sports year, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. college hoops just ended, but last week in the regular season, baseball starts. I think tomorrow, th- sorry, Thursday, April seventh. Baseball starts finally after they got their issues rectified. Right. The Masters, Tiger, we get mm-hmm. might be back, might not. Who knows? Yeah, oh, he's, he's back. Play. He's he's back. play. So Tiger adds more intrigue, mm-hmm. and you know, so we get kicked into the spring season, and so it should be fun. The NBA playoffs is always, always a great time, and it's good for the Boston fans to have hope. I mean, I think last year when they were playing Brooklyn without Jalen, it's like, oh, yeah. we're gonna get crushed, and they pretty much did. Now I think for the Celtic faithful, it's good for them to have hope. That you can get them first, and they can make a long run. Because I don't think anyone in the East is invincible. I think Miami has some goods and some bad. So does mm-hmm. Milwaukee's not inflappable. You know, Milwaukee is. Like I said they lost their home the other day. They're out full full squad to Dallas. So everybody's beatable. So are the Celtics. But if the Celtics put away, they put the right things together. They got a shot, chance to make a good run. So what he's saying is anything is possible. Yeah, thanks, Kwani. <laughs> Well, wow. I'll be on the hub today this week. You mentioned opening day. We're going to have a live show 
on NBC 10 that day as well. So that will be exciting. But until then, we have a lot to talk about next week because it'll be wrapping up the regular season. Thank you all for listening. I'm Kwani A. Lunas. That's H. Rob Blakely and Gary Washburn. This is the A-List Podcast, and we'll be back next week. Lunas Institute of Technology. I'm Not right Institute of Technology. Kwani, take that jersey and back lit. you. I'm trying, to turn, I'm trying to make your school lit. Lit Lunas Institute of Technology. We lit. <laughs>